0: Thank you. It's so good to be uh, back here. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to be uh, reading. I'm going to do two Bible readings, one from Matthew and uh, one from Revelation. Um, and just to give you a bit of a uh, heads up of all that I'm doing, obviously that's a film a theme of building a bigger table. And if you um, want to follow me, I'm vlogging my way around this year and sharing it on, on social media. So that's Facebook. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I don't do TikTok. Some things just shouldn't be shared with the public. Um, and so if you've uh, got a QR scanner or if you've got an iPhone, open a camera app, and if you scan a QR code, you can uh, keep up to date with all that's going on. So please do give me a like, share, or follow. Um, social media bit done. So we're Basically, I have the joy, as I've said, of representing Baptists Together in this year. And Baptists Together is 2,000 churches and missional that that um, are right at the heart of all that we do is to build healthy churches in relationship with God's mission. God is already on a mission. He's already transforming communities. We've just got to partner with him in what he's doing. We're made up of colleges and specialist teams, and we are here to serve you. And one of the great things um, that came out of COVID was the fact, the appreciation of the national teams. None of us could have survived if it wasn't for that legal team working out what the heck the government was saying and all the regulations. And when you give to Home Mission, we recommend that all churches give 5% of their income to Home Mission. When you do that, what you're doing is you're supporting those people. Without that giving, we, we don't exist. So it's really important to do that and with that in mind i'm actually going to be walking the yorkshire three peaks in september now i don't walk i go to the gym and i can run i can do short interval stuff but i hate walking and i also hate the outdoors i'm one of those people that when when the birds wake you up in the morning everyone thinks that sounds like a disney film and i hate it (laughs) it's not that nice and and so but we're doing this me and some mates and some ministers that um are supported by home mission um and just some other people that i've managed to drag along with me including a digital missioner uh, for baptist together and and please do sponsor us we're doing it to raise the profile and i'm told that psychologically to get through it you you name someone every mile you walk so we will be uh we we're going to be doing this live, and I don't know how we're going to be doing it. I hope there's a Wi-Fi signal out there. But every mile, we're going to be going on to Instagram and Facebook Live uh, and kind of shouting out the, to what the money uh, goes to support. So please do sponsor us in that, and please do pray. Because um, I, I didn't realize that okay, I'm not even doing any practice walks, okay? because my schedule is really, really tight. Uh, and I've been walking all my life, so I think I, I'll be all right. But one revelation I didn't realise, so this is why you need to pray for me, is I was like, it's fine, it's just a big hill. I didn't realise that it was three peaks. So we've got to go up, down, up, down, up, down. So we're doing that in 12 hours. So please do pray and sponsor us. And also, I forgot, sorry, I'm I'm leaving all my stuff all over the place. But one of the things that I'm doing uh, as president is normally the president gets a gift to give to churches. Um, for the, to explain their theme, and normally that's a bookmark, and um, that just didn't go with my vibe. So I got, I got a selfie a selfie board, and what I'm trying to do is get as many people from across the Baptist movement to take a photo in the selfie board. Please don't try and do it yourself, no one's arms are that long enough. Get posed for it, and uh, get someone to take it, and then we're going to um, flash those up uh, within uh, our Baptist movement at the end of my year, because we are part of something bigger. And it's good to remind ourselves of that. That's uh, kind of enough about me. Let's get into the scriptures. We're going to start by reading from Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse 31 to 35. I'm reading from the New Revised uh, Standard. So that's Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 35. He, he being Jesus... Put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes like a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and make rest in its nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven looks like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was unleavened, Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfil what had been spoken through the prophet: "I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of." The and then we're going to skip all the way to Revelation chapter twenty-one. We're going to read from verses one to six. This is John having a vision. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for all those words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the, the beginning and the end the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the springs of the water. Wow. Vision of heaven that we've got. It's a, it's a picture. And I'll, I want to tell you about um, an event that happened. I don't know if you know, but in the 90s, many of you will know, but for those that are younger than me, in the 90s, uh, Sarajevo was under siege. Bombs would regularly go off, left, right, and centre. Everyone was living in a state of fear. On the 26th of May 1992, something happened that changed someone's life. He was a young celloist. called Vladimir Smilovic. Sorry if I've mispronounced. He was in his room practicing the cello. And suddenly, a bomb fell just outside the room that he was playing. And the room violently shook, and his heart shook within him. He ran to the window to see what had happened. And what he saw was the bomb had basically hit the square outside, where there was a whole load of people queuing up for bread, just to get enough food to get throughout that day. In that moment, 22 lives were taken. Buildings completely taken apart, reduced to rubble. And there was obviously heartbreak and trauma. An incredible amount of pain. And trying to process this, he woke up the next morning and he kind of thought, I've got to do something. I can't just sit here, but I don't know what to do. There is so much pain. There is so much agony. I don't know what to do. But he decided he would do something. So at 4pm, which was the time of day, the day before when the bomb hit and took those 22 lives, at 4pm he dressed in his tails, he got his cello, he walked into the square outside the place that had been bombed, and he started playing. the next 22 days at 4 p.m. he would dress in his tails he would carry his cello downstairs Uh, 22 days to honor the 22 lives that have been taken what was he doing in that moment in that moment he was trying to scatter hope in a place of despair he was trying to create another narrative And as people heard that music, it touched something in their hearts. Something in their hearts said, I want to go. I want to go where that music is. I don't want to live in pain anymore. I don't want to be in agony anymore. I want to go where that music is. For those people listening, that music took them to another land, a place where there was no death, no grief, no crying at play. people started to say, I want to go there. I don't want to live without my child. I don't want to live without my mates or my spouse. I can't cope with this pain and agony. I want to go somewhere better. I want to experience something greater than I am. Raised huge questions for the people of Sarajevo. And it's not dissimilar to scenes that we see coming out of Ukraine, actually. But it raises questions for us as well. Is there a place where there is no death or dying? Is there a greater hunger that we have, a place where we can be fully alive? Well, the answer is yes. (laughs) There is hope. There is something better, a better place, and we see it. You see, one of the privileges I have is going round to churches and, and seeing all the work that they're doing. And sometimes my heart breaks because churches have lost the power of that story of hope, that we have the hope in the gospel. And we are living right now with a generational shift of people wanting to join into a story, wanting a narrative bigger than theirs and we have the greatest story that's ever told and it is a biblical narrative and it is the most beautiful story but our story has been massively distorted so forgive me if i just remind us of our story because i wonder if you were to go out of this building if you were to go to your neighbors when you get home and ask them what do you think christians believe heaven is like what would their answer be? I don't know their exact answer, but I, I'm guessing it would be something along these lines. Well, Christians believe, and it's kind of funny, because it's just stupid. They believe that when you die, you leave your bodies behind, and their souls are like ascend into this disembodied bliss where they're like way up there with the angels playing harps and drinking red ball. That's what Christians believe is their story. Friends, some people in the churches think that's the end of our story. That's not our story. That's Dante's version of our story. Our story, heaven comes down. Heaven is best defined biblically as the place where God dwells, the place where God hangs out. Heaven comes down. God is making his dwelling place. We're told that in the Revelation reading. God is making his dwelling place with humanity. And everything is getting restored. And so John, writing down this vision, he can see this restoration take place. He can see that God is making his home with people. And suddenly... Suddenly, fully in God's presence, there is no death. There is no grief. There is no pain. The former things, in other words, those earthly created orders have passed away and a new order is being established. People fully alive and free in the presence of God. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like Eden. In other words, everything is being. And in that revelation reading, John uses his picture to build up this breathtaking image of a new heaven and a new earth. God dwelling with humanity. And I want to remind us of that today because some of us can get so bogged down in religiosity. So bogged down in church programs and doing church. And we forget how stunning and beautiful our story is. God doesn't scrap everything that's been done before. God comes and creates something new. God God steps into the mess and begins to heal it. So that as humanity, as sons and daughters of the Most High, we know that God isn't going to scrap everything that's been done before. But he's going to bring his restoration and his power into it. That is our story to tell. Way better than drinking Red Bull with the angels. But why would anyone settle for anything different than being fully alive with God? God is on a mission to make all things new, to make your communities new. And how? How does God do that? Well, the answer is Jesus that simple. God wrapping himself in human flesh, the incarnation. God wraps himself in flesh and steps into our pain. Our God is not some distant deity that shouts commands from a sideline, stop messing up, here's a few things you've got to do. No, that's not our God. Our God jumps into the mess and begins to restore it. He lives, he dies, he shares these parables, he shows us how to live in order that we would be raised to a new life. God steps into our communities and becomes a permanent guest at the table. The word dwell conjures up so many images throughout Scripture of God dwelling in the temple, revealing his glory in the midst of his people. But what we know is the word became flesh and dwelt. The message version says God pitched his tent up amongst his people and we, we get to gaze at his glory. God is coming to live with us forever in our midst and when he does that, he brings a healing, a comforting, a celebrating presence. Because of Jesus, that's not just something that's going to happen when you die. That's something that can happen now. And in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst where structures both in and out the church seem to fail people so often, we have a hope. For more than that, as disciples, you and I have a responsibility to share this with people. We cannot keep this to ourselves. Why? Because actually, God said, didn't He? God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. We can't love the whole world, but we can love the people God's put our family, our friends, people in our work. When Jesus was around, He taught us what the kingdom of heaven was like, and He used all these parables, to say it's like this and so much more. And that's a glimpse that we got in our Matthew reading. It's like this and so much more. I wonder if you could do me a favor and just reach out your hand. Jesus taught us that the kingdom of heaven is at touching distance. The kingdom of heaven is in distance. Put it back now. It feels a bit Doctor Who like. But it's that close. And we have a duty to share that with people. We have a responsibility to show people that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in these challenging times, uncertain times, Matthew reminds us that the kingdom of heaven is also something that needs patience. Until we see the full revelation of God dwelling, we need to wait. But that's not a passive waiting. It's waiting for something to grow into fulfilness where you see signs of hope every day. And so we wait, not like people without hope in a dark room wondering if anyone will come in and turn the light on. Instead, we wait with a patience like people who get up early in the morning to know that the sun is risen and is waiting for the full brightness. We have a certain hope that God is doing a new thing. And I want to encourage you, God is doing a new thing. So you don't have to. It is not your responsibility to do the new, to create a new agenda for church life. God's already done that. All you've got to do is listen and act. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean keep the status quo. You need to be rooted in Christ and not in church tradition. You are called to challenge, to model and to live like heaven is at hand. And when you do that, you will find yourself speaking out against him. You will find yourself getting enraged with the treatment of others. When you do that, you will find yourself welcoming other people to the table, even if you don't understand their lifestyle. Because God's put us in control. God has called us to be Jesus' hands and feet, and so we are not meant to be distant from our communities either, shouting from the sidelines. We are called to dwell And when we do, build bigger people. This really hit me at the start of lockdown. I've been in pastoral ministry for. Uh, 14 years, and I've always lived in Manses um, and and the equivalent, so I've always kind of lived fairly local, and everyone has known that the house in which I live in is the Mans, um, which is really helpful. And so what that does is, though, one of my churches was literally like a five-minute walk away, and I used to walk every day to the church to do ministry. Every day, whether that was to visit... the Parent group or the school or the Sunday service. I would walk past people every day. In lockdown, I I was living here and I did literally live next door to the church. And it was the first time I'd ever spoken to my neighbours in the circumstances I lived in, more than just the weather. I actually had proper conversation. God really convicted me. For 14 years, I'd been so busy walking past people to do ministry for those who were coming into my space that I forgot to meet people in their space. Well, I'm not preaching. of But we need to build a bigger table. A table where God is the permanent guest so that we can say to our communities, our friends, our family, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and so much. See, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about a banqueting table, which is why we get the images we get in Revelation 21. A rich feast, God speaks and dwells, and we as churches need to throw the best parties. We do. It's really important. Why? God did it. The images of what heaven is like is parties. You wouldn't know that by being and hanging out in some of our churches. I know you're not like that. But the vision in Revelation 21 is the party to end all parties. And in a world where we live in a place that is characterized by oppression and arrogance and hatred and death and mourning, these last chapters in Revelation take up their promises in Isaiah. Time when God will wipe away everything and invite people to. Of course, we live in this paradox of now and not yet. And so sometimes there will be pain, there will be tears, and we won't have the answers. Again, it's not your responsibility to have the answers or to wipe away the tears or take everyone's. Your responsibility is to dwell with them, to sit with them, host. Hospitality is so important. We come to building a bigger table, and hospitality, my friends, is different from social entertaining. Social entertaining is all about you as a host. Isn't it? You know, you've got to make sure your house is tidy, the food has got to be cooked to perfection. You as host must appear calm and relaxed. Hospitality, by contrast, has nothing to do with the host and it's all about the guest. Whether that person needs a listening ear, a place to stay, or a warm meal. Hospitality can happen in a messy church, a messy home. Hospitality can happen where the main course is beans on toast, because it's about Spending as a church, never get too busy or tired. can't offer, those that are like you, and those that are not. when we dwell with people, we will show them the kingdom of heaven. So, God being the permanent guest at that table means that others. Join in. We can't heal our community, but we can show a glimpse. The simple act of sharing space with others is a sacred. When we create that environment, when we show hospitality, we become authentic, hopeful, compassionate, challenging, and Jesus-focused. God is coming to live forever in our midst. The healing, celebrating, comforting presence. Friends, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you and I, you and I get to partner with God to show others our story, our calling. kingdom of heaven, like this. Father God, we thank you for your words. Father, we thank you that when your son was on earth, he taught us these parables. He showed us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Lord, we pray that we would catch a glimpse and of understanding of all that Jesus taught and all that John revealed in it. Father, help us to be the ones that offer hope. Not so that we can big ourselves up, but so we can point people to you. Holy Spirit, would you lay on our heart now people. People that we need to extend hospitality. To, people where we need to build a bigger table. Help us to be your hands and feet in our communities, in our families, in our schools, and in our workplace. Help us to build a bigger table.